What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, guys? We're going to choose podcast. My name is Saul Monali at Saul Monali NBA on Twitter. You're joined by Forrest Walker at Do Nots on Twitter. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm doing pretty good. I'm happy you're doing well. Always good to know that you are doing well. Uh, the Rockets are also doing well. The Rockets are also yeah, doing nice. well as a team. We'll talk about that in a minute. First, we got some injury news to get to. Uh, let's start with Eric Gordon, who uh, out of nowhere uh, got knee surgery. Randomly in the middle of, of, of this week, Mike D'Antoni came to us in the middle of a practice scrum and said that, and, and this was after Sham Sharania had reported that the, that he was getting knee surgery and was, was going to miss six weeks. And this was something that had apparently been bothering him since last season, since the middle of last season. This, this has been a thing with him. And he went and he went and got some counsel for some doctors and apparently he had some stuff going on with his knee. He had to go clean that out. And he's going to be back in uh, five to six weeks. Could be earlier, uh, but let's just say five to six weeks for right now. And the Rockets are going to have to uh, figure out a way to, to recover his minutes. Like So it looks like Ben McLemore is going to be playing a lot more. As, as soon as uh, Mike D'Antoni gave us the injury, he told us that Ben McLemore would see much more playing time. So he's going to be seeing a lot more playing time as we've seen these past few games. It looks like Austin Rivers is going to get more playing time with the team as well. Uh, it looks like Nobody in particular is going to step up into the rotation. Everybody's just going to be playing more collectively as a unit. You may see some Chris Clemens, as we saw the last few games, but unless there's a really, really rare injury exception, the rotation is going to pretty much stay the same way it is with guys playing more minutes to make up for it. So this is pretty much just like a standard cleanup scope, right? Yeah, yeah. It looks like it's just a, a normal orthoscopic procedure where he gets his knee cleaned out and he'll be back. Well, I guess it's the right time to do it. Uh, some some have argued that the right time might have might have been this summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we can't go back to, to then, unfortunately. So right, right now, no, this is the best yeah. time. Yeah, you know, you're right, you're right. But it it is a little eyebrow raising that hey, you didn't do it this summer. Is it because <laughs> yeah. you had the extension going on? Like, is is it because of that? But we'll leave it at that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. If you if you're gonna if you're gonna go down with for an injury. You want to have that in the beginning of the season as opposed to the middle or the or the end. And it looks like he'll be back and he'll be in rhythm come playoff time. Uh, he'll have plenty of time to catch up with the team. But yeah, he was struggling. Uh, obviously, he was starting to come back in terms of the shooting. He had a good couple games before Mike D'Antoni announced the surgery. But uh, this this is something that's been bothering him. And I, I even went on to ask Mike, like, are you worried that this is going to interrupt his rhythm? And he's like, nah, man, like, this has been bothering him despite the rhythm. Like, this is, like, even with the sh- even if his, if he was shooting properly, like, the knee's been bothering him, and he hasn't been himself. So this, this is going to help him overall. 
and it's the Rockets are just gonna have to make do till then. Uh, they they have made made do till then, but we'll talk about that in a minute. And uh, Ben McLemore, the Rockets are really blessed that they found this guy uh, in this in the off season, especially the injuries they've suffered to Gerald Green and now uh, Eric Gordon. Like like this is this is a huge huge pickup for them uh, because. Nobody, nobody could have seen these two injuries ha- happening. I mean, I, before the season, we all expected both those guys to to play seventy plus games this year, and it looks like that is not going to be the case. Yeah, that's why you get insurance policies, uh, and it turns out that Macklemore's a very good insurance policy. He's contributed in a meaningful fashion this last few games, which has been great to see. Yeah, um, another injury. Clint Capella uh, suffered a concussion at the hands of a. Like, it looked like an accidental elbow in the air from uh, Jamichael Green in that Clippers game. It looked like Jamichael Green was going up at the rim, and Clint Capella was there to draw a charge, and it was inadvertent. He just he was just kind of wrong place, wrong time. Uh, got his bell rung, was on the floor for a minute. Yeah, that was rough in the moment. He w- he just kind of clutched his head for a while. I you don't see Clint Capella go down that long very much. Yeah, and like it was one of those things where like I, I would have been very surprised if it wasn't con- a concussion. He was down on the floor for a while. And he looked really shaken up. That was a hard hit. Like like some had speculated that he might have had an, uh, like a face fracture because it was it was Oof. a hard it was a hard hit. It was a hard hit. So it looks like he'll be back next game along with Daniel House, who also suffered an injury to his back. Uh, back bruise uh, I guess the official in- injury name is like some let me look that up sacral contusion so whatever the hell that is well contusion's a bruise it, well I know what a contusion is <laughs> but, well I don't know what sacral means but it's a it's a back bruise and I, and back bruises are rough particularly when you're a basketball player it, it just limits your mobility like crazy I've had one of those it's 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 just hard to move and a lot of people speculate that he might be back uh, right after uh, like he might have been back, good to go, like the next game, and I was just like, "Yeah, that, that that looked pretty rough." He fell from a really, really high distance. It, it looked like, if anything, like he, he was going to take a couple, few games off, and that's exactly what he did. And I think that was the right call. Like that was like falling from that kind of a height and not sustaining an injury is truly surprising and like honestly a miracle if that ever happened. Like yeah, it, you don't you don't see a guy fall straight down very often, and that was straight down. Yeah, it was, it was rough. It was br- it was brutal for both these injuries. Like Not fun to watch on, on replay, both these injuries. <laughs> he fell right in his sacrum, which I've known for years and years is uh, located below the last lumbar segment of the spine, and is five segments of the spine infused together to make one solid bone. Yeah, everybody wow. knows that. Everybody knows Everyone that. knows it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Both those guys coming back against the Blazers in Houston, uh, so the Rockets should get reinforcements now. Uh, they've been they've been really really shorthanded the past couple games. They've been Ooh, really no shorthanded the past couple of games, an- annihilated by Eric Gordon, Daniel House, and Clint Capella going down. But looks like these guys are come are going to come back, and it looks like they're going to need it. They're coming back at, at pretty much the right time. Let me read you their schedule coming up. They play obviously Portland on Monday. Denver on Wednesday, the Clippers on Friday, the Mavericks <sighs> next Sunday, the Heat next Wednesday. That's a that's just their yeah. next that's just their next five games. That's a rough rough schedule. Luckily for the Rockets, three of those games are at home, and now they're getting these two guys back. But yeah, if had those guys been out for that kind of a stretch, it, it would not have been pretty for the Rockets. No, if they, if they'd stayed out for that stretch, you could see them easily going two, three, or worse in those five games. Yeah, even I, one and four would have been on the table, honestly. 
Yeah, it's it's still going to be a dogfight, but they have a lot better chance of hanging with some of these teams now. Yeah. So let's talk about James Harden, because James Harden has certainly played well enough to earn his own segment, don't you think? Yeah, yeah he's the opposite of injury news. Yeah, he has been an Ironman for the Rockets for the past seven years, and that is that has not changed this season. Let me read you his stats this season. 39.5 points per game, 7.8 assists per game, 5.6 rebounds per game, 60, 61% true shooting, 41.5% usage, 31.1 PER. And he's not even shooting the ball right right now. He's shooting... <laughs> those, those are fake numbers. I can't even believe those numbers. That's he, a... He's basically averaging 40 points per game. Like, that's unheard of. Like, that's Wilt territory. He's shooting 33.2% from three-point range. He's, he's still not back yet. Like, he's still not shooting as efficiently as he should. 41% from the field. The reason he's been so efficient is because he's gotten to the free-throw line a bunch, and he shot the ball well there. If not for that, he would not be doing what he's doing right now. Uh, and I shudder to think what he's going to be doing when he starts shooting the ball well again. Like, it just imagine... It, what would these numbers look like if James Harden was at was shooting thirty six percent from three? <laughs> not th- not even thirty seven or thirty eight, just thirty six percent from three. Two point eight percentage points better with the amount of threes he's been doing. Like that, that's he he hovers into the forty one points per game kind of territory. Like that's ridiculous. That's, man. It's hard to even think about that. Like how how can a player average forty points a game? It's that's stupid. not a thing. It it, sh- it shouldn't be a thing. <laughs> It shouldn't be a thing. And let me read you another stat, uh, Forrest. Yeah, please. This is a stat I tweeted before we started recording. The, this is the Rockets without James Harden on the floor. Offensive rating of 103.6. Defensive mm. rating of 112.7. Net, net rating of negative 9.1. That's not good. That's not good. It's, it, one, one could argue that's very bad. <laughs> uh, Extremely bad, yeah. Yeah. This is the Rockets with James Harden on the floor. Offensive rating, 112.9. Defensive rating, 104.5. Net rating, plus 8.3. That's also, that. those can't be real numbers. Those that is a 20-point swing. That is a 20-point swing in net rating. We haven't seen that since Steph Curry in 2015-2016. That is ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. Why aren't we talking about this more, Forrest Walker? Oh, boy, that's a question that is dangerous to ask. Why indeed aren't we talking about this more? Because I don't know who could be more impressive than James Harden right now. He is running roughshod over absolutely everybody, isn't he? He has, he has. And there have been quite a few impressive players to start the season. Giannis has been playing really, really well. Luka Doncic is playing really, really well. Uh, LeBron James, that guy, that guy's been playing pretty well. Seems pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, he's, he's still pretty good. Um so there have been a lot of really great players to start the season, and yet James Harden has stuck out amongst the pack by a dramatic, dramatic distance. I, so I'm, I'm going to go back to why we aren't talking about it more. I, before the season, I, I, I posed the question to you, what's the reason that James Harden's kind of been disqualified from this MVP race? Like, like before the season, it seemed like the hype going in uh, had just not... like. Our, all articles, all podcasts, it just not even discussed Harden. Like he was like an afterthought. He was like, "Oh, and James Harden might play well this season." Like that's it. Like, like it was like it wasn't even yeah. like 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 if if it was a if it was a thirty second conversation about the MVP race, Harden might, might have been lucky to get one second of airtime. 
right? Like that, like that. That's like we were talking about guys like Jokic. We were talking about guys like Anthony Davis. We were talking about about guys like LeBron, Kawhi, all those guys, Steph, all those guys before James Harden, the guy who's been first or second in the MVP race the past five years. Like we were talking about all those, and I, I, it it befuddled me. I I did not understand. Like he was playing extremely well in the preseason. I and like I just tweeted out one game. I was like, so what's the reason we're not supposed to talk about this guy for the MVP race again? Like what? what, what can so, somebody hasn't really given me a, a plausible reason for for that not being the case? Yeah, uh, as we said before, uh, that it seems to either be that people think that the team is going to be not would be not good enough for him, or Rust would be too good and would disqualify him or something. Uh, right, this is vindicating me because I remember I said he's going to be second in MVP voting, and this is how it happens: that he doesn't get a lot of buzz before the season, but then the season happens, and wow, he's amazing again. Who would have guessed he'd be amazing again every year? It's it's really shocking, isn't yeah, it? It's it's not like we don't, we have, we don't have a track record. <laughs> um, but yeah, you you are you're right. Like it, this is the kind of stuff that 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 makes Harden disadvantaged in these races, right? Like, like he the the fact that he doesn't get this pre, this preseason hype is the reason he ends up ending the season second because all of our confirmation bias about certain players, like it goes into the voting. It really does. Like, and it it, it it's shown early on like Harden like okay so I'm I'm going to read to you an nba.com ladder for the MVP race. Are you ready for this for us? Are you are you ready for this MVP yeah. ladder? What is this the latest ladder? This is the latest ladder. So okay. this is 3 days ago. It's not not that long ago. So number 1 Giannis Antetokounmpo. No, you know, you can't be upset about that. Number 2 yeah, no, no qualms. LeBron James, number 3 James Harden. That that doesn't seem right. Like I I I know third place is not a knock. But the fact that that he's below LeBron James right now, like, I what what is like LeBron's had a fantastic season. Don't get me wrong; he's averaging twenty four points per game, eleven assists per game, eight rebounds per game, and the and the Lakers are the first team in the West in the Western Conference. So don't get me wrong; it's not like he's LeBron's been, and he's playing he's playing really well defensively. So do, don't don't get me wrong; it's not like LeBron's not having an MVP caliber season. I don't see any reason that Harden hasn't been better in every way, shape, or form. Well, I'll put it like this. I would guess off the top of my dome that uh, people will give LeBron the benefit of the doubt, assuming that he has made all these other Lakers players better to account for them being so high in the standings, despite how mistrustful many justifiably were about their their depth. Uh, and James Harden is not going to get the benefit of the doubt. I think they both deserve the be- that benefit of the doubt, but I do not think James Harden gets that one. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's one of those things where like these guys are too close in record, in team record, for for me to be like, okay, yeah, LeBron's LeBron's clearly an edge ahead of him. Like Giannis, I I think there's a case there. I would still put like, and again, I'm someone who's who had Giannis as as my MVP last season. I would still have Harden as number one right now. I I think third place is kind of a slap in the face for how well he's played to start the season. I, I get that he's not shooting the three ball really well. He's still he's still sixty one percent true shooting, like he's still sixty one percent true shooting. That's that's stupid. Only if you count the free throws, Solomon. Forrest, do you want to know what league average true shooting percentage is? I would love to know. Tell me. Fifty five point six. So Harden <laughs> on, on an off year is shooting six percentage points better than the than league average. 
and and still putting up these bogus numbers. It definitely feels like it's war. It warrants more conversation, and I feel like people were doing it an injustice to not talk about it more. I mean, it might though, right? So I want to see what the next bunch of MVP ladders look like because. Uh, no one's really written much since uh, that game against the Timberwolves in which James Harden scored 59 points and was just utterly ridiculous. Uh, or was it 49 points? Hold on. You're talking about the Clippers game? Uh, no, the, uh, the, the Wolves game. I want to see what people say uh, in all the articles and ladders uh, after this Clipper or after the Timberwolves game because that game was a ridiculous game from James Harden. He had to take over everything. And they blew, you know, they had a 20-point win over a not-bad team despite being missing, like, four of their five best scores. I wrote about this in my recap. This was That was their second most impressive win of the season to me. Like, like to me, only the Clippers win tops at. You said it. They're missing four out of their their six best players. They're on the second half of a back-to-back. And all these guys are playing ridiculous minutes. They're playing, they're, they have to throw out two G League guys. Two G League guys who had not played all season in Chris Clemens and Isaiah Hardenstein, and they blew them out. They blew them out. Like, like that. That that's really really impressive. That that's one of those wins. It's like you can really feel the character of a te- of a team after a win like that. If anyone was 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 doubting like the character of this Rockets team at the beginning of the season, which a lot of people were. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to forget. Like two or three podcasts ago, you and I were talking about Mike D'Antoni's job security. Yeah, people ain't talking about that anymore, are they? Yeah, like that was a thing, and it's not. It's not. I I look on my timeline; it's not. It's non-existent right now. Um, but yeah, like <laughs> we forget how rough it looked for them at the beginning of the season, and the the fact that they've turned it on to this extent is really really impressive. Our fours let's take a break and talk about our friends at Untuck It. Ever seen an Untuck button down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt that's actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect untucked length. And with the holidays near, there's no better gift for your favorite guy who needs an upgrade. Now, you guys know how much I love Untuck It. I talk about it on almost every podcast nowadays, and that's because I genuinely love this product. Like, I've had so so many bad shopping experiences where I buy a shirt, I come home with it, I wear it with a pair of jeans, and it's like I'm wearing a gown, not a shirt that's meant to be worn with a nice pair of pants untucked. It's like, it seems like they're forcing me to tuck my shirt in. And again, I'm just not that kind of a guy. I'm just way too casual to be tucking my shirt in. And this week was the first time I actually wore Untuck It to the Toyota Center. Like, I've been wearing it around town for a while, kind of test driving and seeing how I like it. And I really like the fit. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to wear it in a professional setting. I'm going to wear it to the Toyota Center. And you guys would not believe the amount of compliments or comments I got about this shirt. Like, people are asking me, is that Brooks Brothers? Is that Ralph Lauren? No, it's Untuck It. It's a shirt that's meant to be worn, untucked, and look good. So whether you're shopping for the perfect holiday gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit untuckit.com and use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com and promo code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. So let's talk about that Miami game where they they completely got embarrassed. Because to me, like... I think it's notable that their run started after this because so they started that first quarter in Miami down 46 to 14. <laughs> Completely hopeless defensively. That's, that's not a that's not a real points total either. That yeah. that can't have happened, but yet. But it, it happened. It happened. And they got completely killed on back cuts. 
They were not closing out. They were giving no effort. And James Harden was like the poster child for this. Right? It, it, it looked like he was having one of those 2015-16 seasons again where he just w- wasn't going to give a crap on defense at all and have to go superhero on offense to make up for it. And he, he and the Rockets, to their credit, completely turned it on, turned it around after that game. Over the past seven games, only the Milwaukee Bucks have a better defensive rating than them. 99.1, <laughs> and the Rockets are 99.9. To start of the season, they were, among contenders, the worst defense in the NBA. Yeah, and, and they were like 27th or something after that, that, uh, that Heat game. Right now, they have turned it around to such an extent that they're actually better defensively than they were last year. After starting like that, <laughs> after starting like that, they're actually a better defensive team right now than they were all of last season. And all of last season took a monster turnaround from the entire team to end to close it out. And they've already turned it around within seven games. They've already turned it around from 27 to right now they are 16th in defensive rating. And they're they're climbing as we speak. Like they're trending in a direction that's gonna get us talking about this team in a totally different light. You don't want to get too ahead of yourself, but this team is trending in a direction that we're gonna have to talk about them in, in five or six games in a, in a completely different light. It's been really impressive. I mean, th- this is not the team we saw last year. And in fact, this, like you said, we needed five or six more games to really know what we're seeing here, but. This response has kind of floored me. I can't remember a season where the Rockets looked like they were in deep doo-doo and then they came back around and like looked like they flip a switch right away and really appear to have buckled down. Like in previous seasons they either started out hot and stayed that way or they came out cold and like gradually picked it. Like last year they came out very cold for a while and then they gradually got back up to a decent standard with also some roster moves. This season they they came out and they faced some real pressure and they took a punch in the face and then they responded with a, ten, a level of tenacity that I haven't seen from this team. Like whether it's because they didn't have it or they haven't had to have it, right? This is this is this is new and it's encouraging so far. Yeah, and like as you mentioned, like like the only thing you can even compare to this is last season's turnaround. And even then, like that was a prolonged turnaround. Like that took some time. Like their their numbers didn't turn around to this extent, like this fast. Like it, they they didn't go on winning streaks like this. Like for the for the Rockets last year, it was like okay, they won, they won four out of their last six games. They won two out of their la- their last three games. Like it, it it wasn't winning streaks, and it wasn't to this extent, right? Like it it was it was very much a slow paced. Okay, they're they're starting to turn around. They're starting to turn. Okay, now they have this figured out. Okay, now they have this figured out. Like they completely figured everything out. Well, and the, the trend lines are so good too. Like it isn't. It isn't just like oh, they're winning all the games, but they're winning them by a couple of points. Yeah, like not, it's not flukish wins. It, they're they're, no. all, they're all legitimate. After looking terrible and like having to have a dogfight in every game, then they started winning games like decently and then convincingly, and now like they're winning by double digits. Right. The, it's been exactly the direction you want to see, and for sure. For sure that the you know the Pacers and the Timberwolves are not the same level of competition as say the Clippers, but they also beat the Clippers convincingly during that time period. Yeah, and context matters, right? The reason those two wins against the Clippers and no, not the Clippers, the, the Pacers and uh, the Timberwolves are so impressive was because you're you're lacking this like the amount of talent that you were lacking, right? Like they they played the Timberwolves without four of their six best players, like. I, I can't stop saying that because it's stupid that they blew that team out without four of their six best players. 
<laughs> like 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 that's that's why it's impressive. That that's why and the fact that it was a back to back is why it's impressive, right? Like like the context of these of these wins are why it's impressive, not the quality of the opponent, right? Like if like the Clippers are, are where everything co- like the quality, the context, everything collided to make the best one of the season for the Rockets so far. Right, like, 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 it's so easy to point to that team, that win as the best. Like, the reason these other wins are impressive, like, you have to dig a little bit deeper and understand why they're why they're more why they're so impressive. It's just it's just funny to me how all their moments of reckoning seem to come in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> like la- last season, uh, I remember because it was my birthday, uh, and I was in a uh, New Orleans casino, and I promised myself I wasn't going to watch basketball for the entire day, uh, and I got a notification on my phone that Chris Paul had. Uh, had a hamstring injury and I was like that's it that's it they're done they're done like that's like the yeah, Rockets at a bad point at that point too the Rockets had no team morale up until that point they had nothing going for them they didn't have an identity they they, they had no no character whatsoever up until that up until that point and Chris Paul tore his hamstring I was like okay that's that's an easy that's an easy out for you, you like you can fold and people will understand like it'll still be embarrassing but people people understand well people understand that okay, I, th- there was no way they're coming back from this. Like people would have thought, okay, like this is an easy excuse for you to to go in the lottery, get a good draft pick, and come back next season. But they they the the amount of character they showed after that is is kind of the amount of character they showed after this after this loss to Miami, right? Like it, it, it's just funny how like like they they went out with the same kind of mentality. Like after after last year's after Chris Paul tore his hamstring in Miami. This is what this is the Rockets' record: thirty-seven and fifteen, fourth best net rating in the NBA, plus seven point one points per one hundred possessions. And after this Miami loss, seven games in a row, plus twelve point six points per one hundred possessions, ninety-nine point nine net rating, one twelve point four offensive rating. Right, like, <laughs> like the message after that after that loss, like the only way you can recover from that is if you punched your next opponent in the mouth. And I mentioned that on my last podcast, but that's the only way you can recover from a game like that. And they did it, and they did it consistently, and they it never turned around. They won their next game. They won the game. They won the game after that. They won the game after that. And here we are. They turned it around, and it's really, really f-ing impressive. Yeah, uh, they seem to be motivated by embarrassment. Uh, that was a deeply embarrassing game, and they have yet to look back. Yeah. So I, 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 I mean, hopefully we keep seeing them, seeing them in this mode. Uh, winning does get addictive, and it would be great for them if they could keep it up. I mean, the, obviously they're not going to just keep winning every game, but if they keep playing like this, it's going to turn out very well. And the way they're playing is the most encouraging. Like watching them, they have a level of there's a level of energy and and like uh, urgency. Right. Urgency. Yeah, the level of urgency in their gameplay has been through the roof lately. And weirdly, all these injuries may have even helped with that because there's all these guys who are hungry for playing time and hungry to prove themselves and get out there and be part of this who are playing in games right now. Like Chris Clemens, for example, when is he going to see chances like this? He went out there against the Timberwolves and he went nuts. He knew it was his time and he did it. And that's the kind of thing that can become infectious. So there, there are no yellow or red flags in the way they've played in the last seven games. It has all been green flags, and we, you know, that we don't know if that'll continue forever. But uh, very good trend lines, signs good right now. 
Yeah, the last time I talked to you, they were at like a weird color flag. Like they were like dirty yellow. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> the ochre flag or whatever. Yeah, it was one of those flags where we were struggling to describe what color it was. Like the, the texture of the flag. Like it, it was, it was, it didn't, the flag didn't feel good. It, it, it wasn't that it was just ugly. It was, it was a rough feeling flag. It, it, like the, the flag they have right now is smooth as silk. It's green. <laughs> it, 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 it's a beautiful looking flag. The flag they had before was disgusting. It was the kind of flag you kind of threw like in the bottom of your drawer, never to be seen again. Hopefully, yeah. This flag is like green and made of high thread count silk sheets. You put this flag outside <laughs> of your house. That's what that's what you do with this flag. It's a lot more fun to watch them when they're clearly trying hard. Also, I'll put it that way. No matter what your rooting interest is, it is very fun to watch players play hard. Let's talk. Let's talk about some of these wins because I I, I want to talk about so, how impressive. Let's talk about their two most impressive wins. Let's do that. Let's talk about the Clippers win and the Minnesota win because I I think those are t- their two most impressive wins of the season. Let's start yeah, with, I think it's close. Yeah, let, let's start with the Clippers. Um, so this was a game I penciled in before the game. I was like, this is, this is going to be a loss. So the context of this game, Daniel House going into the game was out. Obviously, he had the back bruise. Eric Gordon, we had just learned about his surgery. He was out. So the Rockets were without two of their six most important players, and they were playing one of the best teams in the NBA, uh, a team that I, I think is going to win the NBA championship this season, the, the Los Angeles Clippers. Like, I, like, like that's, that's the team a lot of people have winning the championship this season. And I, I just penciled in, okay, it's, it's a loss. Like, I don't care if Paul George isn't playing. Like, this team is just so damn good defensively. The Rockets are missing a lot of their best players. James Harden's going to have to be asked to do a lot. Like there's no way he can he can put the team on his back and win like this. And and mid and mid game, Clint Capella gets hurt. It's like okay, okay, that's that's probably it. Like the the Clippers were starting to turn it around mid game. Like the Rockets had came, had come off to a fast fast start, and then the Clippers started to slowly chip into the lead. They slowly chipped into the lead, and then Clint Capella goes down. And then you kind of figure, okay, this is where the Clippers recapture the lead and win this game. Right, like I, 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 at least I had that feeling. Like, like watching the game when Clint Capella went down, I was like, okay, that's it. They're done. They're, they're this game's over. They're gonna, they're gonna lose. Like, they can't win this game with Tyson Chandler or or PJ Tucker playing the center position. Whoever was gonna play, like, I, it didn't look like they were gonna survive. Yeah, and they and the Clippers had momentum at that point too, so yeah. it really looked rough. Clint had twenty rebounds in this game. Like, that's how well he was playing. He had twelve point twenty rebounds thirty in, in only thirty two minutes. And Lou Williams was starting to pick it up. Uh, Kawhi was playing okay. He, he didn't have his best game immediately. He was playing. He was playing okay. Um, but yeah, the Clippers as a team were starting to turn it around, uh, and they were starting to, to lock in on the Rockets defensively. And James Harden, to his credit, like he looked at this point, he looked completely gassed, especially to end the second quarter. Like he looked like his arms were super sweaty. Like it was, it was his arms were glistening. Like it looked like he just come out of a pool. Right, like, and he hit, he hit some of the stupidest like, like step back jumpers of like, not, not they weren't even step backs. They were just pulling up from thirty feet. Like he just walked up to thirty feet and it's like, wait, okay, I'm gonna take this. No one's gonna guard me. Okay, Montrez Harrell, you're gonna back up this much. I'm gonna take this three, and and he he put the Rockets on his back, com- and completely took over the game. And there was that possession, in my opinion, that de- that really defined the Rockets stretch. Where he he just took the ball from from Kawhi Leonard. He just took it. It was incredible. It looked like he just like hit X while playing NBA 2K. He, he just took it right out of his hands. He's like, that's not your ball anymore. That's just mine. That's mine. Like I, I'm like, it's it's one of those like plays where it's like, like it was hard to believe. So you had to rewind and watch it again. 
And he just like he, it wasn't even like Kawhi. Like Kawhi was in a bad position. He was just in a straight up position. And and James Harden's like, okay, I'm I'm, I'm going to take this ball from you. And we're going to go on this fast break. And Tyson Chandler's going to turn back the clock and hit this reverse jump, reverse lob, <laughs> reverse on a dunk. dunk. Oh my yeah. god, it was that was truly brutalizing. Honestly, yeah, <sighs> it, it, it's it's the kind of it's the kind of dunk that puts a team away when they're already when they're already struggling to come back into it. Like that was to me. Like I mean, we we already said that was their most impressive one of the season. Harden was ridiculous. It was a real adding insult to injury type game for the Rockets to the Clippers as well. Because not only all that happened, but there was a whole thing with Austin Rivers at the end of the game with oh the yes, weird, yes, with the brothers nonsense. Yeah. Oh my God, that was amazing. Like 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 <laughs> first of all, let, let me say this: Tony Brothers. You never want to have Tony Brothers on a national TV game. Like just don't. Yeah. Like whoever like, you is, no one wants this. Yeah. Like like this is not. He's not good. Like he, like I, I don't care what what the league's data says on Tony Brothers. He is not a good NBA official. He's just not. I don't care what he grades out to be, according to the NBA. He is not a good NBA official. He's terrible at handling situations. Always gives out technical fouls needlessly. Is not good at ta- at at taming things down. If anything, he always seems to put accelerant onto the fire. Always. I watched Tony Brothers for ten years. I, I I've seen enough of him to know that he he is not good at handling situations. Is this the game where Doc Rivers like picked up a ball, but he stepped on court to do it, so he got a tech? No, you you are thinking of Alvin Gentry. Oh yes, I am thinking of Alvin Gentry. But whoops. No, uh, no, no. But but Doc Rivers. Um, so this is what happened. This is where he got a tech for trying to use a that a uh, a timeout that he should have had, but and was told he had, but apparently did not have. Yeah. So this this is what happened. So he called it. So Clint Capella goes down with the concussion. And the Rockets call a timeout, and uh, th- this play was uh, controversial because the Rockets. It, it was supposed to be Clippers ball. James, I think J- I believe James Harden was the last person to touch it. It was supposed to be Clippers ball. Critical juncture of the game. Good time to challenge. So Doc Rivers calls it. He calls a timeout of himself. Waits a little bit too long. Waits waits more than thirty seconds, and then calls a challenge. And uh, by that point, league rules state that you cannot call a challenge if you wait more than thirty seconds. So. Doc had thought that okay, he's gonna get his timeout back. Even in fact, the officials had told him, "You're gonna get your timeout back," right? And what happened was he didn't get his timeout back. So when he tried to call a timeout, he didn't get it, and he got really frustrated and was he was yelling like crazy at the officials. Got a, got a technical foul. Austin Rivers in the background of all this was 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 egging on the refs to, to eject his father, to call another technical and eject his father out of the game. Tee him up, ref. Tee him up, ref. Like send him out of here. Like that. That's the he was egging. He was egging his was own amazing. father to get yeah. ejected out of the game. It was, it was, it was amazing, man. And, and the, the trail of Austin Rivers standing against his father in a way few men get to do. And these guys talk trash to each other every game, every single game. time. The Rockets play the Clippers. These guys are always barking at each other, and it, it's funny because like Austin tries to play it down all the time with the, like the stuff with between him and his dad. Like every. Every time the, the Rockies play the Clippers he, uh, in the scrum, we always ask him about this relationship with his father, and he he's always like rolling his eyes, like guys, it's not a thing, it's not a big deal. And every time during the game, he makes it a thing. He always makes it a thing. He always <laughs> talks back at his dad. He's always he's always barking at his father, and it's just funny how like like so so he gets ejected, and. He, Doc's walking away. He's headed to the locker room, and, and Austin is signaling, "I'll call you." I'll call you after the game. And he tweets after the game, man, Thanksgiving is going to be awkward. Something along those lines. 
<laughs> and at, in the scrum, the post-game scrum, we asked him about it. And he said, I was just trying to be the peacemaker. Just gold. <laughs> just gold. <laughs> he earned his entire salary on that one night. Austin just knows how to, how to how to attract attention. He just know he and this is this is this has been a thing with him. Like he he's a true showmanship in every sense of the word. This has been yeah. A thing, what a showman! Like the, this <laughs> professional. Thing, yes, professional showman. Like this has been a thing with him for the longest time before he was on the Rockets. Like I remember the Rockets were playing the Clippers um, on a random game. Like this was the Tunnel Gate game. This this was the game. Uh, <laughs> This is the game where the Rockets decided to storm the back tunnel of the Staples Center to charge, uh, to to go after Austin Rivers. Like, the, and I remember Austin was in a suit on the sidelines, and he was just barking at Chris Paul, barking at James Harden on the side. He wasn't even playing; he was just yelling. He was causing all this commotion on the sidelines, and um, and, and to, so much to the point where it, it caused the Rockets to get so frustrated that they would charge this tunnel. Like, like he is so good at this. He is so they good at high drama. Plans. <laughs> they had Clint Capella going as a diversion. <laughs> Do you remember this? Like, he had he he, oh, he 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 knocked on the door. <laughs> every Clippers versus Rockets game is required viewing, and has been even before Austin Rivers on the Rockets. And it, now it's it's only more right. Like he's such the what perfect are the ratings. Yeah. <laughs> Like he, yeah, what are the ratings going to be like on the next Rockets versus Clippers game? It's going to be amazing. I cannot wait. You have the whole Patrick Beverly and 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 Russell Westbrook drama to this. Like these guys were guarding. Like so, Patrick Beverly was guarding James Harden. Did a fantastic job at him. Forced him to go one for seven from the field. And uh, Russell Westbrook after the game said, like all that commotion, all that stuff. He's not even that good of a defender. Like Patrick Beverly has all you guys fooled that he's not even that good of a good This rivalry is so, so good. It is so good. Uh that that both of these guys are saying ludicrous things after the game, like Austin Rivers, I'm a I was a peacemaker. Like no one even cared that he said that. Like he, it just went under the radar. <laughs> it was just like yeah, devoured by all the other weirdness. Yep. Yeah, because of Russell Westbrook's comments about Paul George. This is a fantastic rivalry. Great win for the Rockets on national TV without Daniel House, without Eric Gordon. Really, really, really gutsy game. Uh, really great game for James Harden to show how good he's been this season. Like it, it was a true uh, show game for him. Um, on national TV, on that big of a stage to show out, especially in the fourth quarter. He had 17 points in the fourth quarter. Just hit every single three, seemingly every single three. And yeah, he he was he was fantastic. It was, it was a great game. It was a fun game to watch. Fun game to watch. The Rockets actually ended up winning that game by nine points, believe it or not. Somehow. It was a lot. It was a big swing in the last like minute. Things yeah. got weird. It was a James Harden level swing. It, it was just, it was primarily driven by James Harden. Uh, how could they even top a win like that? There's no way they could have another win on that level in the next couple of games, is there? And they and yet they did, and yet they did. They, <laughs> they, they didn't top the they didn't top that game, but they they did they did have a hell of a game against the Middle State of Timberwolves without four of their six their six most important players: Eric Gordon, Clint Capella, Daniel House, Russell Westbrook, because it's a back to back, and he had knee surgery this summer, not going to play back to backs. Also sat out this game, so you're you're, you're down. Three out of your 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 five starting your starting unit, and you're down your sixth man, and yet, and yet, the Rockets won this game by twenty points. <laughs> just just <laughs> just stupid. Like second half of a back to back, 
And they won this game by 20 points. Really, really strong character game. Uh, Guys like Isaiah Harnstein and, and Chris Clemens, as you mentioned earlier, played their hearts out. Absolutely played their hearts out. I'm not quite sure if these guys are NBA level talent, but they certainly give NBA level effort. Right? Like, I never have yeah. a problem. Like, and I guess this is a subtle shade at Gary Clark. I, I don't know. Like, I never have a question when I'm watching Isaiah Hardenstein or Chris Clemens whether or not they want to be on the basketball court, whether or not they want to make the roster, whether or not they want to play, whether or not they want to contribute. I have I have questions like that with other players on this roster. But with, with these two guys, they went out there. Isaiah Hardenstein plus, let me look this up, plus 26. 16 boards. That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> That's like his G League numbers. In a in a night where they were lacking Clint Capella, who is uh who puts up monster rebound numbers himself, he completely took over that mantle. Uh played well defensively as well. Strong screen setter. Hustle, hustle, hustle. Chris Clemens, 19 points plus 32. He was 7 for 11 from the field. And he was five for nine for the, from the from the three point line. This guy's just an absolute gunner. He's just an Man. unfiltered gunner. What other twenty two year old in the NBA has has the has the gall to take nine three pointers in a game? Like like I I know we've gotten to this level of the NBA where nine three pointers in a game is it doesn't seem like that much. That's a lot of shots, man. <laughs> That's a lot of three point attempts. We see why D'Antoni likes him, right? Because he shoots without mercy. He's going to let them threes fly, and that's exactly what Mike D'Antoni wants in a wing. And it's not just, like, catch and shoot. These threes are very much coming off the dribble, in transition, and catch and shoot. Like, he shoots them from all areas of the floor. Again, this guy's only 5'9". Like, I'm taller than Chris Clements. He's shown he has a ton of heart. Um... One of like I thought a a worthy two way contract signing for the Rockets before the season. Another worthy signing for the Rockets for the season. Ben McLemore. We t- we alluded to him earlier this season, earlier in the podcast. Twenty points in this game. Seven for sixteen from the field. Uh, four of eleven from the three point line. He has been a revelation for the Rockets on his minimum salary deal. He has completely taken over Gerald Green's role. He's played fantastic basketball on both ends. He has been um, a really, really nice gem signing for Daryl Morey uh, after last season where the Rockets seemingly had no gems. No gems, what to speak Just of. Just dirt. Dirt, yeah. dirt, and more dirt. And yeah, now they found those diamonds. Yeah, yeah. So th- this was a gutsy, gutsy, hearty win for the Rockets. Uh, a-, a win where, like, it really made me buy in. Like, it really made me buy into the idea that they are a Tier 1 contender this season. And that's not something I thought of before the season. Like, I thought they were going to be the second team in the Western Conference. I thought that there were te- clear teams on both conferences that were better than them, including the Milwaukee Bucks, including the Los Angeles Clippers. I thought the Rockets were a Tier 2 contender. I am bu- I am bumping them up to a tier, two con- tier tier 1 contender because they played so, so well on both ends of the floor these past seven games. We'll see if it continues. You know, the, right now, they're on a 62-win pace for the season. That, that, yeah. Like, like so, that's a lot. <laughs> so yeah, you don't want to get too carried away. You want to see again. I I love the twenty game mark of the season. That that to me is like something I I I like to dig in on all these numbers. Then like that that's when I feel like you have a good feel for what a team is. So I don't want to get too carried ahead of ourselves with the Rockets because let's see, they the Rockets have only played thirteen games, right? So basically half of what what I I like to determine uh, a good sample size. So yeah, we'll see. 
we'll see. If the next ten games, if the next seven to ten games are like this seven games, well, we'll see. <laughs> We're gonna have a very interesting podcast after that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but they're they're trending in the right direction. They're second in the Western Conference, only behind the Los Angeles Lakers, who have played fantastic basketball. Surprisingly, I, I didn't think that high of the, of the Lakers before this season, uh, and they have surprised a lot of people, not just myself. Like he, they have a ten point two differential uh, in scoring amongst. Their, they, they've been killing their Wild. teams. They, yeah. They've been killing their opponents. They've been uh, every every bit as good as as advertised. Good on them. Uh, LeBron James really. Having a rejuvenated season defensively, especially is where it's really shown for him. Uh, starting to give a lot more effort, and um, yeah, like a lot of these teams are still struggling to figure out their identity, and that's kind of why I want to pump the brakes on the Rockets. Uh, the, the Nuggets really haven't figured themselves out yet, um, and and yet they're third in the Western Conference, nine and three. <laughs> Nikola Jokic looks fat. He just looks. He just looks. Uh, he just looks like he ate a bunch of donuts this off season. Uh, much like James Harden two years ago, uh, and uh, it's shown in his play. So I think he has another level to hit. Uh, I think I think the Jazz. Mike Conley hasn't played well for the Jazz to start the season. Yeah, he sure hasn't. And yet they're eight and four, and the fourteen in the Western Conference. So yeah. I think they have another level to go. So I think I, I want to wait. I want to wait for a lot of these teams to round in to round into form before I judge the Rockets. But so far, so good. We'll see how they how they fare in this stretch. It's gonna be fun to watch now. Like it's gonna be fun to watch how the Rockets fare in these next five games. I, I'm really interested because now they're gonna have Clint Capella and Daniel House back. They're gonna play a true slate of contenders, which they, which they haven't had the opportunity to do so. But now their next five games, I'll, I'll repeat it again: Portland, Denver, Los Angeles, Dallas, and Miami. All five of those teams are legitimate playoff contenders within their conference. Uh, four of those teams are Western Conference contenders, and it's it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to see how they fare against these teams. Now, the Blazers have struggled mightily oh to, start, to start the season, <laughs> yeah. and and I guess we can hold off on calling them a contender for a while, but... The, I, I still I still think with Damian Lillard and, and, and CJ McCollum on that roster, they're still going to make the playoffs. Like, how can they not figure it out? Yeah, yeah how can they not make the playoffs? Like, I, like I had real doubts about them before the season about their contendership status because of the offseason moves they made. Like, I was not a big fan of the Hassan Whiteside trade. Was not a big fan of uh, of just giving up Mo, Mo Harkless and just letting Al Farouk Aminu walk. Like, I wasn't a big fan of a lot of their moves. I, I still think they they have enough talent to make the playoffs. So I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get carried away and say they're not a playoff contender as the rest of these teams are. So interesting slate of games coming up next for the Rockets. It'll be it'll be really fascinating to see how they fare. Yeah, and for the first time in a while, I'm actually fascinated to see how bench players fare too. It's been a while since like there have been bench guys that are not do not instill some sense of dread when they come onto the floor. There's actually uh, more potential than dread right now, I think, and I want to see how these guys keep uh, keep developing in the system and get used to it. Even hey, even like the truly ancient uh, Tyson Chandler has been providing good minutes. You know, these are a yeah. bunch of guys who actually can do stuff. And it's really fun to see like more than you know six guys be playable in a Rockets game, and see them able to actually go to their depth a little bit and try to ex- extend or at least hold on to leads. Yeah, like so the way the Rockets turned around last season is they shortened their rotation and and relied heavily on their main guys. They haven't done that this season. They they didn't shorten their rotation. They they very much expanded it to guys like Ben McLemore, Chris Clemens, Isaiah Hardenstein, Tyson Chandler. Like like a lot of these Tablo Tefalosha, a lot of these guys 
uh, have entered the rotation since since their injury stretch and since their struggles, and um and, and those guys have, have have rang the bell, they've rang the bell. So yeah, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Follow me on Twitter at SomaliNBA. Follow Forrest on Twitter at I'm at Dunots D U N O T S. And give us five stars on tw- on iTunes, guys. We are now a part of the Blue Wire Network. Go check out their podcast. They have a light. I have a nice slate of NBA podcasts you guys can go listen to. And yeah, guys, good night. <laughs>